Here we go. All right, we're continuing our series on the names of God. And the names of God are so powerful because each one fits a place in our life. And each one becomes an anchor for us to believe and have faith for what God can do for us. Today's name is El Shaddai. Someone say El Shaddai which means the almighty and the all-sufficient God. And I have subtitled this that God says, El Shaddai, I'll take it from here. Come on, somebody. I love it when God says, I'll take it from here. Reading from Genesis 17, verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I'm almighty God, El Shaddai, first mention. Walk before me, and I will make my covenant between me and you, and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father. Someone say a father to many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Then to chapter 18, verse 11. Now Abraham and Sarah were old. Someone say old. Well advanced. When the Bible says you're old, you are really old in age. And Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself when God said, you shall have a child. And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Saying, shall I bear a child? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Say it again. Is anything too hard for the Lord? In Zechariah 4 and 6, God's promise to you and I is it will not be by our might or by our power, but it will be by the Spirit of the Lord that He accomplishes everything we can't accomplish. El Shaddai, the all-sufficient God, give Him a shout of praise in this house this morning. Father, we thank You for Your Holy Spirit. We welcome You, sir. I depend upon you. Speak through your servant. Speak to the ears of my brothers and sisters. Lord, most of all, let them hear what I don't even say. And secondly, as as the lead pastor over this church, as I pray in private, you prompted me to pray in public. I pray this word would just stick to their bones this week and you would remind them of this word. You would remind them of who you are. Let their lives be changed, not just in this 45 minutes, but let it be changed this week that we can believe you are El Shaddai, the all-sufficient God. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. God saw that Abram was focusing on all the impossibilities of his situation. So God revealed his name to him. First mention in the Bible is important. First time God called himself El Shaddai, the God Almighty. It's in this moment that I feel God says to you and I this morning, and he said to Abraham and Sarah, I'll take it from here. You have prayed all you know to pray. You have stood as strong as you can. You have reached what you can reach. But now let me, the all-sufficient God, the El Shaddai, who is all-powerful, take it from here. The God who is more than enough. Someone say more than enough. 
The God who breathes life back into you when your hope is faltering. The God who breathes life into never changing promises over your life. His name is all sufficient and he is more than enough. If you need healing, he is more than enough. I'm about to get excited this morning. If you need salvation, he is more than enough. If you need freedom from pornography, he is more than enough. If you need hope that he's got your future in his hands, he is more than enough. He is El Shaddai, the all-sufficient God. Somebody give him a shout of praise. And I'll calm down just a bit. All-sufficient. All of our sufficiency comes to an end. The richest man in the world presently is Elon Musk. Musk. <laughs> He's also known by Musk, but don't tell anybody. Anyway, he is worth $228 billion, but his money will not change the world. He may change Tesla, but it would come to end. The strongest athlete, I thought, um, Alex, you would appreciate this, is noted as Brian Shaw and also Pastor Tyrone. He can dead weight. I didn't get it right all down. They just kept going on. How many he can do dead, how he can do squats, how he can do, he's a big old dude with a big old neck. But you know what? I'm going to tell you something about Brian Shaw. He has to go to bed at night and sleep. Come on, somebody. He can just keep going for a few days, but he's going to have to rest. But El Shaddai, he never sleeps or slumbers. El Shaddai never comes to the end of his strength. The most brilliant inventor, Thomas Edison, said that Nikola Tesla was the most brilliant inventor. But I'm going to tell you something about Thomas Edison. As smart as he was, he had to go to sleep. He came to the end of his life, and then he died and hopefully went to heaven. But my God shall never die. My God shall never cease to exist. My God is El Shaddai. He is more than enough. Somebody praise him this morning. The most determined woman. I debated. There was many. But I went with a non-biblical Rosa Park who fought for my brothers and sisters, my tan brothers and sisters, and would not give up her seat off the bus when a bunch of Nazi wannabes tried to make her get up because she was black. My parents lived through that era. My parents watched the colored people, as they called them at that day, have separate bathrooms. My mother and her parents wept. My daddy wept. And they prayed with their church people from Mississippi to South Carolina that somebody would step up. And Rosa Parks stepped up and said, I'm not giving up my seat. I'm making a stand that everyone in God, black and white, male and female, are precious in his sight somebody give Jesus a praise the smartest man in the world we thought was Chris Vernon I'm so sorry Chris he's too but William Sedona I think that's his name or Sarone I can't even read my own writing he had an IQ of 300 he was so smart but one day he died come on somebody and one day he went away but God is El Shaddai the all-sufficient one Speaking about being brilliant, um, just to humor it up a little bit this morning since I seem to be on fire. But at any rate, um, there was a story being told about the smartest man in the world, the greatest inventor, and also a little Boy Scout and a man who was fixing, they're all flying, a man who's going to fly to the United Nations and he was going to change the political landscape. All of a sudden, the plane got in severe trouble, started going down, the pilot said, I've got bad news. We only have four parachutes. Somebody is not going to be able to go. Well, the pilot grabbed his and jumped out of the plane. 
And then they decide the man going to the United Nations, he should get the next backpack because he's going to change the, the, the trajectory of the world. He jumped out. Then the uh, brilliant inventor, they decided he was on his way to invent a cure for disease. So they gave him the next parachute. There sat the Boy Scout, and I mean the, the brilliant inventor and the Boy Scout. The smartest man in the world jumped out. And the little Boy Scout looked up at the brilliant man and the inventor, and he said, son, you're young, I'm old. You just take this parachute and you go. I prefer you. He said, hey, mister, don't worry about it. The smartest man in the world grabbed my backpack when he jumped out. Always one of my favorites. Pastor Hank would have loved that story. So even the smartest man can grab a backpack thinking it's a parachute. Come on, somebody. Sufficiency. When you feel you have run out of strength, he is El Shaddai, more than enough. When you feel like your joy has run dry, he is El Shaddai, more than enough. When you feel like you're tired, grandmother used to say, I'm weary to the bone. Did you ever hear grandmother say that? I'm weary. Honey, I'm a tired that you can't talk about. We had a housekeeper one time. My parents did. She was African-American, and she'd sing, I'm so tired, Mama Joyce, what she called my mama. She wanted to move with us. She loved us. But she said, I'm weary to the bone. But I'm going to tell you, when you're weary to the bone, he is more than enough. He is El Shaddai. When you're overwhelmed with responsibility, he is El Shaddai, more than enough. When your job or your work seems endless, and sometimes you don't even want to set the alarm. Can I get an amen? Because the same day of responsibility starts tomorrow. Anybody tracking with me? He is El Shaddai, more than enough. When your money is complicated and it won't meet your bills, he is more than enough. When you've got a problem in your family or with your children and your heart is hurting, he is more than enough. When worry is choking you, he is more than enough. When you come to the end of yourself, he says that's fine because you've just come to the beginning of who I am. I am El Shaddai and I am more than enough. Somebody give him a praise. He's not a counselor who runs out of remedy. He's not a doctor who runs out of the cure. He's not a banker who will not give you loan. You see, L is with El Elohim in Genesis. That is the creator. And L-E-L means the most powerful, fearful, awesome power. But Shaddai means all sufficient. It means that God says, I am so powerful and I'm also sufficient. You see, the God of power and might is also the God of all sufficiency. And he says, I know sometimes you encounter people that have power in your life, like your boss, but they won't give you a promotion. You encounter people like teachers who are your boss and they seem to get in your way and don't have a heart. But the good news about God is he's full of power and he's full of character. You see, he He's got power. Most people, when they get power, they do what's selfish for themselves or for their few select click. But God is a covenant-keeping God. Elohim is that name. And he says, by my very nature, I don't know how to be selfish. Anybody ever 
ever promised you something and they wanted to continue on, but they couldn't? You ever promised somebody something, but you couldn't? God never makes a promise and doesn't keep it. He is a covenant-keeping God. He will always keep his word. He is the God who overcomes. And the word says the zeal of the Almighty God will accomplish this, meaning nothing can overcome El Shaddai. He will overcome. Give him a praise this morning. Hallelujah. Often we feel as if we are being overcome. We struggle with sin or trials or we struggle with time or the lack of self-fulfillment. We, we suffer in praying for what we do not get, we feel, and we feel overcome. But God says, I want to tell you this morning, you are not dependent upon yourself. Abraham was not a superman. He and Sarah lied and they manipulated. Come on, somebody, read the book. He was no different than you or me. God records his sins, his failures, his inconsistencies, so that when he becomes the father, of faith no one in the world can say God can't do it for me because the same El Shaddai that spoke to Abraham is the same El Shaddai that speaks to you and I today and he says I am more than enough somebody praise him this morning Woo! says I will bless you Abraham and make you a great and mighty Nation, You see, Psalms 119 and 111 says, I have inherited your testimonies forever, for they are the joy of my heart. A testimony is written or spoken record of what God has done. Abraham's testimony is your testimony. Every testimony in the world, when you became a believer, you inherited all the stories. That's why we tell them to you. You inherited the same faith if you choose to use it. God made a covenant with Israel based upon his goodness. He based it upon his faithfulness. And I got news for you, Abraham and Sarah. You've not seen anything yet. And God making his promise to you is not based because you're just so cute and holy. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's because he is is faithful. He is El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Hallelujah. He had a history of blessing Israel. He had a history of using Jacob and the 12 sons who had been in covenant, but they were not people of promise. But God says, is anything too hard for me? Look at your neighbor and say, is anything too hard for me? Look at your neighbor and say, is anything too hard? Listen. Abraham and Sarah wanted a child. I'll get to their age in a moment. But God wanted something greater. God wanted a nation. Don't you in any moment that you feel dead, worn out, too young, too old, unqualified, and if people really knew what I was thinking, well, thank God none of us know what each other is thinking. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In fact, someone should have ran around the church on that one, but don't do it. It's all good. <laughs> you must never doubt what he has promised. 
because he did it based upon his faithfulness. You see, they were at ground zero for a miracle. And the, the, the thing is that you've got to see this morning is Hollywood, a lot of script writers, and I just have, I, I don't have too much spare time, but I'm a research addict. And Hollywood, a lot of times when they're writing a script, they go to the end of it and decide how they want it to end. Then they work backwards from the story and give it a fantastic opening. But the end determines the whole thing. I want to tell you something. I want to tell you that this story is fabulous because you're reading it from the end. But if you went into the middle of it and you called yourself Abraham and you called yourself Sarah and you were in your 90s and 100 and God has said all these fabulous things about you but you didn't see it, it does not feel so great. Look at your neighbor and say, it does not feel so great. Every time, that they didn't have mirrors, so every time they saw their aged faces in still water, as Sarah went to draw water, she'd look at herself, I'm sure, at 90 and say, good God, have mercy, like most of us do. How, how did this happen to me? I was nine yesterday. Come on, can I get a witness from a middle-aged person? Every time they saw their reflection in their polished bronze, they remembered they were well past the age of being able to fulfill the promise of God. They were fully aware and they wrestled and God was fully aware of how they wrestled and they waited. God took them out of their tent and as you know, told Abraham, look up into the heavens. Now, our skies at night, we got too much going on, too much eco problems. And so you can't really see the stars like a Middle Eastern night. But when he took them out to see, they saw the stars and God said, listen, if you can count the stars, that's the number of descendants you will have. You will have all this. That's why when they caught their reflection and saw themselves in the polished bronze, I believe Abraham Abraham said, let's go outside. Honey, I don't feel like going outside. Come on, baby, we're going outside. And he got the cane. He took her by the hand. Hey, my dad's in assisted living, so I get to see Abraham and Sarah's every week when I go over there. And he walked them out. Maybe they had walked. I don't know. But he walked them out. He looked up into the sky, you see, because he wanted Sarah to remember God was speaking from his perspective. You and I have got to get outside of our human responsibility. We got to get outside of the things that frame us and limit us. The things we see in the mirror. What I see in the mirror is not pretty. And I don't mean outward look. But what I see often is my inadequacy. What I see is the reasons I can't fulfill destiny. And it takes God saying, come on, little Rhonda. Let's go to the greenway. Look up into the heavens who created the earth by his own power. This is the God that fulfills it. It's not what you see. It's what God. God sees that makes him El Shaddai. He's more than enough. Give him a praise in this house. And it may not feel as supernatural to you of counting the stars. It may not feel as supernatural, but you've got to get outside of your daily. The, I always say our daily realities that brutally frame and incarcerate our dreams and our hopes. Those things that just say to us, I have no doubt 
that God had a star for Joseph in prison. We're talking about that Wednesday night. I have no doubt that he spoke to Joseph because somehow he held on for 13 to 16 years. We can't wait at a traffic light for three minutes. Can I get an amen? I mean, horns are going on. People are, I want to take you down. They're giving you the finger of good fellowship. I'm going to beat you. I'm going to shoot you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Joseph had to have gotten a signpost, a God wink, a word of encouragement. And you know what? It may feel natural, but when God anoints it, it's supernatural. It may be someone encouraging you this morning. It may be the sermon. It may be a song. And all of a sudden, something just gets you to lift up and say, Remember, God is more than enough. You've been looking at your circumstances. You've been measuring your limitations. You've been journaling and chronicling everything that's wrong with you. And God says, I want you to start talking about everything that's right about me. I am El Shaddai, the more than enough God give him a shout of praise this morning you're visiting this morning I'm usually less demonstrative not really but anyway that same encouragement came to Elijah that still small voice in a cave to Daniel it was finding the calendar of Jeremiah to Paul it was an angel standing by him when the ship was headed to wreck and he said, the God whom you serve is saying, you're going to survive. I'm going to tell you something this morning. El Shaddai has given you a perspective at certain moments of your life that got you here today. You would not be here without it. There was something he did that was like a light at the end of the tunnel. And you kept going. You are here today because El Shaddai brought a star. It may not have been a star in the sky, but it was something. And you just thought, oh, wait a minute wait a minute, I'm not giving up today. Maybe we'll talk about that tomorrow. But today, he is more than enough. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hebrews 10 and 36 says, we are to endure with patience, the ability to remain steadfast, to continue pressing with calm assurance and bold confidence. Paul said, keep pressing. Look at your neighbor and say, keep pressing. Pressing is hard. It's tenacious. Pressing is hard. It's pushing on. It was pushing on for Abraham so he could get to the vision God had committed. God didn't even start speaking to Abraham till he was 75. Come on, somebody. And then he had to wait 25 years for the promise. Moses didn't even get called till he was almost 80 years old. And he marched into Egypt at 80 because God is more than enough. Can you say amen? And Joshua, even after the heartbreak of losing his mentor, his dearly beloved Moses. He could have built a camp. He could have. And in moments of loss, whether it's a person or things that we lose, we can just say, I'm done. I refuse to go on. And God knows I've had some moments like that. Very few but moments. But El Shaddai always shows up in my house and says, I am more than enough. But I want to tell you something. I know what's inside of me because of what things the Lord is saying about the future of this church I know Joshua knew what was inside of him he knew there was steel walls that had to come down and if he had given up we would have never had the Jericho don't you let your loss dictate your future someone give Jesus a shout of praise 
King David was hunted 17 years by Saul, anointed as king. You would have think he would not spend his life in a cave, but he did because God said, I'm going to make you somebody that I can share my glory with. Someone say, he is more than enough. He calmed down for a moment. 25 years passed. God decreed at age 75, get out of the land of the Chaldeans. Go where you don't even know where you're going. Faith moves according to what God says. It'd be great if we get a DVD or we didn't even do DVDs anymore. If we could get something to show us what our obedience will bring. But God says, I want you to operate by faith. 75 and 25 years before Isaac was born, but they trusted in God's timing. I want to tell you this morning, that's what often trips us up, is the timing of God. We wonder what he's doing and when he's doing. And here God is my agenda. And furthermore, I would like to recommend to you this morning that you do this by Saturday. I've heard people say to me as a pastor, if God don't do it by 2 o'clock on Saturday, I'm done. I'm like, whoa, I'm just backing up from out of here. Because you will not tell God when he has to do something. He will not be dictated on your calendar or mine. We've all done it. We see someone else get a promotion. We're praying for our prodigal and all we hear is silence. We're praying for a breakthrough, but all we feel like is we're on the verge of a breakdown. Can I get an amen? Instead of the answer, we feel like there's a silence. That's what Abraham had to feel. Even Job said, I cry out to you, but you do not answer. I stand up, but you do not look at me. You see, 25 years. Why? I mean, 75 is pretty old to have a child. Can I get an amen? First of all, your hearing goes out, so you can't even hear when the toddler gets in trouble. Come on, somebody. And toddlers are a mess. You ever raised a two-year-old? Let me get an Amen. Hard to hear, and you're less tolerant of noises, even though you're hard to hear. There's generational differences. I mean, you think 75 would have been bad, but 125 years passed because God did not just want Abraham to be the father of Isaac. He wanted him to be the father of our faith. I'm going to tell you something this morning. If there was an infomercial that came on, you're at home tonight, and it comes up on your screen. And it says, hello, Church of Jesus Christ. We interrupt you on this show you should not be watching. Just kidding. We interrupt this show. Just kidding. Just kidding. We interrupt this show. This is an infomercial. Do you want to be great like Moses? Do you want to be great like Joseph? Do you want to save a nation? Do you want to save a world? Do you want to be like King David? And Bob looks over at his wife, Betty, and says, get out the credit card. We are going for this all the way. And, and we're not doing two-day shipping. We're getting it overnight. In fact, they can bring it down in an hour. I'm going to take it. This is what we've been working for, Betty. Well, how much is going to cost? I don't care, Betty. Whatever it is, we're going to order it. And then comes the punchline. You must wait on God to be like these people. You must go through a lot of years of not seeing fulfillment. Bob looks at Betty and says, put the credit card down. I ain't going for this. Come on, somebody. We have instant coffee, instant potatoes, instant milk. Instant meals you put in the microwave. He's like, God, just microwave me that miracle, God. I'm tired of waiting on you, Lord. You know, I just think God's busy and he needs to catch up. Or I heard one, someone say one time, made me laugh so hard. Because people, the way they see things, just, just tickle and give me so much joy as a shepherd. They said, I don't know if God's in a staring contest with me and he's waiting for me to blink first. I said, well, let's just go ahead and blink. 
Well, that wasn't it, was it? Waiting is not doing nothing. Waiting is allowing God to do the work in you. God is exalted when we're humbled, and waiting is the one of the most humbling things you will ever do. Isaiah 30 and 18 says, For the Lord is gracious. He is full of mercy. He waits that he might be merciful to you because he is a God of justice. Someone say justice. When I left Pastor Hank in California, and he was on cocaine, well, he snorted his last line. I don't want to trigger anybody. But he did that, and then he just knew he's good. He got saved, and he's going to demand that I come back to him. And he spent about four months. First, he sent me letters saying, I love you so much. The next letter said, you're going to hell if you don't come back to me. He was always a mover. <laughs> he would sit in front of a telephone, on a chair. And he's told this. He told it for years. And he'd say, I command you. You know, he was going to church every night, praying and not eating, you know, getting out there. I command you, Rhonda, appear in this chair right there, right now. None of that happened. In fact, God let it go three years so that Hank Davis and Rhonda Davis would be humble. Deuteronomy, the Lord led you through the wilderness to humble you and to test you, to show you. You only live by the word of God alone. And in that waiting, we have to get God's mercy. And we have to get away from our attitude of pity and bad. I mean, we get tired at slow internet like it's the third realm of hell. Come on. I can't get through my phone. What's wrong? What's wrong? Let's, let's leave this motel. I know people that would leave a motel because of lack of signals. I'm like, whoa. Y'all didn't live where we live. And we was growing up. We had to use that room in the motel room. <laughs> That's why we are strong today because we work those phones, I'm telling you, as children. But waiting surfaced the garbage to the, to the top. When you have to wait, just like I said, in traffic, you can tell the people that need Jesus. And you can tell the people that need Jesus again. I'm just like, where are y'all going? Pastor Hank said, where are you going? I said, please don't speak to them, honey. Where are you going? You've been riding my tail for seven miles. Honey, please don't. Where are you going? I mean, it's just he could not stand people on his bumper. Can I get an amen? And then, then he would track it and he'd say, they didn't get that red light any sooner than we did. Can I get an Amen. So funny. I loved used to hear him talk to people. If I was on the phone with him, he was talking to people in traffic. I said, honey, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. I know, but I want to make you a part of this situation going on right now on I-75. <laughs> but those things rise to the surface because nothing purifies, purifies us faster than waiting on God. God is a God of justice, and when he finds a man or a woman who will truly wait on him, he's free to work. But wait-tionary. It's a new form of waiting that I just invented here. My creative genius come up. Waiting is stationary pursuit. Why do we wait? You know, sometimes I hear people say, well, Jesus is coming so soon. I need to write that book right now. Oh, okay. Did he tell you he's coming tomorrow? Yep. Oh, okay, well, great. Well, you need to write that book because no one else has heard the time, but that's good. Um, but I need to do this because time is short, and time is short. There is a last days that we are living in. I'm not denying that. But I'm going to tell you something. The Son of Almighty God did not step into ministry for 30 years. For 30 years, he carpentered with his parents. And his time of ministry was only three years. And in those three years when you study his life, he's never like, come on, disciples, run, 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 run. We got to get to the demoniac. We got to get, I mean, he wasn't on like a Camel Express. He wasn't on the subway. They walked, my people. 
and he never looked frantic. He knew he would accomplish what the Father would accomplish in the time that the Father had preordained it. He knew it would be done. It would be sealed. And so he merely obeyed the Father. But when you and I, and I'm at the front of this line saying, Jesus, when are you going to do this? We're we going to do that. I mean, we got our marriage healed. I thought I'd write a book immediately. God said, no, you won't. And I had someone I was helping that said they're writing a book and traveling their story. One month later, that couple was divorced. I'm not saying that of them, but God said, no, you're not doing that. You're going to let some time get under your belt because your story is never quite done. And it did get published through Joni Lamb, and it did go the number one New York Times bestseller, our story in her book. Waiting is stationary pursuit. Waiting. The struggle is not about what has been. The struggle is about what is to come. May you receive strength today in the waiting. And may I, because we're all here together. I'm speaking to both of us. Knowing that God has better plans for your tomorrow than you imagined. If you would just give him time. Again, God wanted to birth a nation. And God wants to do something through you and I. He is not limited in time. He sees outside time. He's not worried. Well, Pastor Rhonda doesn't get to fulfill that by 2 o'clock on Friday. It ain't going to happen. God is more than enough. He is El Shaddai. God never forgets. Somebody give him praise. And he sees things outside of time. There's an eagerness to do things. And I do believe we're in the last days. So do not deny that at all. We are in the last days. But occupy and do the ministry of Jesus. And if that door is not opened... You know, when um, you give me one extra minute, I'm not done, but just taste. When I was in uh, college, I, I so had to call on me to preach. But I was a little divorced girl. Nobody wanted me to preach. I mean, they wanted to make me homecoming court, sweetheart of Alpha Chi. But, you know, hey, we don't feel like you got a future. And uh, my brother, who ran a paper route, told me about these older families that didn't have anything. These elderly people lived in home, pitiful situations. He delivered their paper. And he said, um, Sis, you, you ever think about going to them? I said, Absolutely. So it's just so funny. I still have these notes. I would write little sermons like I was appearing before Bishop Jakes and a thousand preachers. I'd have my devotions. And I didn't think that thing. I just wanted to be obedient in the moment. I would go in there and I'd take a boom box and I'd say, now we are going to play a song. And I would minister. Brother and Sister Alloway, my friend Melissa still talks about this because it just my roommates just freaked out over this and it was nothing to me. I just wanted to do Jesus' work. I didn't want anyone to open door for me. I didn't need a pulpit. I didn't need a door. What I needed is to get in front of somebody that needed the word and use what God had given me with no hope of any promotion. Come on, somebody. Look at your neighbor and say, use what you have where you are. I took my little friend, Kinette. We just revisited this, and uh, she sang like Sandy Patty, and she'd sing, I just see Jesus. I mean, she could go like, and we'd sing and we worship. And Brother Alloway, in this story, those moments really, they humbled me. They purified me. And uh, the last time I went with them before I remarried Pastor Hank, Brother Alloway, every, every week would ask that he would feel the Holy Ghost power one more time. And the very last time I was there and I prayed, I could hear like a train 
There's very few times this has happened. I heard like a train coming into the living room. Next thing I know, the power of God started whipping in our circle with Brother and Sister Alloway. And all of a sudden, he just started shaking under the power, praying in that heavenly language, rejoicing. I mean, he was leaping. I didn't know he had it in him. He was leaping. He was jumping. The thing that touched me the most and changed my heart forever, he said, Lord, you have finally done it. I am ready now to meet you. You have filled me once again with your power because a little college girl that had doors shut on her decided to go into the elderly's home on her own by secret. Nobody knew. I'm going to tell you, don't tell me he can't do it. Don't tell me there's not something for you to do. He is God El Shaddai, all sufficient one. And recently going into Garden Plaza, a woman stopped. Christina, we were going to a talent show my daddy appeared in. That was a hoot and nanny. That's for another day. And uh, as we went, a woman said, are you Rhonda, uh, are you Rhonda Davis? And I thought she was connecting me my dad. I, I said, well, you know, you probably know about Rhonda Giles. She goes, oh, do you change your name? So, no. She goes, you visited my in-laws for weeks and weeks. Do you know how much you changed their life? I said, what was their name? She goes, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Holloway. And I said, oh, my gracious. When I went home, I called my roommates and said, we got to talk about this again because God is so good. He is all sufficient. If he wants to be someone's all sufficiency through you, don't say that you can't do it. God never forgets. He sees the end from the beginning. He is from everlasting to everlasting. He is El Shaddai. Chris, if you'd come start helping. I'm not quite done, and so just buckle your seatbelts, but let's keep going. Someone give the Lord Jesus a hand clap of praise this morning. He is more than enough. Someone say he is more than enough. El Shaddai also means the nourisher, like a mother would nourish a baby. Now, none of us that are good and good mommies would have said to our babies, no, you had a bottle yesterday, honey. You're not getting one today. You're on a fast. Um, it's, it's not time for that. You're not getting that. But you see, El Shaddai nourishes you while you're waiting for him to fulfill his promise. He not only gives you the promise and said, I'm more than enough, but he says, I will nourish you in your moments of discouragement and disappointment, in the moments that you want to give up. And if you're dramatic like some of us, you march into the backyard to bury that thing you're believing for in the yard because you're tired of waiting for it. You're tired of believing for it. You call a few friends, sing a funeral song, do a dirge, and just say, you know what? I'm done. But I'm going to tell you something. El Shaddai knows where you buried it and El Shaddai will walk you back maybe not literally but figuratively and say like he said to Mary and Martha where did you lay down your hope where did you lay down your dream I know it's not happened yet but we've got to pull that thing back up and resurrect it someone give Jesus a hand clap of praise God changed their name he changed Abram's name to Abraham which means father of many nations. Because before that, he was known as exalted father, which just was like a dig for 75 years. Hey, exalted father. Ain't got no kids. But your parents named you that. Well, God changed it. Named her Sarah to Sarah. Sarai to Sarah, which means mother of many nations. This is the interesting thing. He added the Hebrew letter, hey, H-E-I. Hey, there you go. The letter signifies the creative power of God to bring life to dead things. Psalms 33 and 6 says, The divine breath of the Lord, by the work of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the hosts by the breath of his mouth. Hey! And stars appeared. 
when he breathed. When God created Adam, or Adam in Hebrew, out of the dirt and the clay, when he began to form it, I love what my friend Jensen and Robert Moore say, both acquaintances, Jensen Moore friend, as he's molding it, I love what Jensen says that Satan said, what are you doing? And God says, I'm making your replacement, Lucifer. I'm forming out of the dust someone to praise me because you fell out of heaven. But when God formed man, he formed Adam out of the ground. And then he breathed his ruha hakodesh, is what the Hebrews call it, breath of God and called it into being. You see, this is symbolic of what God breathes life into our situations. The supernatural empowering of God. Hey, H-E-I. Everyone say, hey. Hey, H-E-I, it means God breathes into our potential by the Holy Spirit. And he says to us, where did you lay that dream? You see, the amazing power of the king, he knows the minute you tip something over. He knows the minute you gave up on something. You may not have said it. You may not have been as dramatic and done a little funeral dirge, but you gave up in your heart. And he says, I know, but this isn't my first rodeo. I've been in the arena with people since Adam. I brought Adam out of the ruins. I brought kings and prophets out of the times that they laid down. I am El Shaddai. I am more than enough. I have innumerable sons and daughters through the corridors of time, God would say. And I walked with them and I talked with them and I saw them when they laid down their hope for something, their belief for something. But all of the sudden, I began to, hey, breathe life into them and cause the dream to come alive. I'm going to tell you, I don't know how it happens, but you go to bed at night thinking I'm done and you wake up in the morning with new hope because the breath of God breathed into you. I don't know it's a mystery, but I know God walks among the ruins of our life. He says in Isaiah 49 and 16, what is unfinished in your life is ever before me. God walked through the ruins of London and Germany in World War II and he saw how it would be rebuilt and I want to tell you today in the places that you are desolate, in the places that you are without hope, God says out of Jeremiah 33 it, in this place that you say is desolate, in this place that you say is without hope, the voice of joy shall be heard again the voice of the bridegroom and the bride, the voice of those that say the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever somebody give El Shaddai a shout of praise Sarah and Abraham I believe did what we do and they measured themselves to see if the miracle could happen they measured themselves they judged themselves and James 2 13 says if you give judgment it will be given back to you but anyone that gives mercy will receive mercy and I'm going to tell you something. Be careful you're not judging yourself. We usually take that as we're judging others, but a lot of times we're judging ourselves. We're judging that we're not well enough. We're not good enough. I love in Isaiah 118, God says, like a great counselor, come, let us reason together. Come, let us reason. Come and sit. Though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. I love that visual. I saw a counselor when I was at Lee University, Mr. Bill Balzano. He helped me so much with my perspective. I can't go into that. But my parents sent it to me, ended up working for him, and then went, worked in the psychology department for Lee University. But I, I love a great Christian counselor, but I love God as my counselor even more. God doesn't say to Abram and Sarah, oh, you're not that old. 
Oh, 100's the new 30, Abram. 90's the new 18. Don't you believe what you see in the mirror? He never arbitrates that their body is as good as dead. You can find this in Romans. You can find it's all through the New Testament and the Old Testament. But I'm going to tell you something God says to us this morning. He wants you to tell him, to take counsel with him. You see, you can't heal a wound by saying it's not there. So God does not deny their circumstance. God does not de deny their inability. He does not deny the physical limitations. El Shaddai is not depending upon them. He's depending upon himself. This morning, I think the Holy Spirit would say to you and I, when our injury is beyond healing, a wound is incurable, God says to us, you're right, it is beyond healing. You're right, there's no really counselor that can fix that. But I, the Lord, will not allow you to resign yourself to drag that thing through. I, the Lord, will not allow you to lean upon allies. What are allies? The things that we do to knock the pain out of things. Some people look at addiction, but I'm going to tell you, everybody has an ally. Everybody has something they try to dull the pain with. You know, entertainment is great. Things are great. You know, life is great. Life is good. All things have been given by God that are good and holy. But I'm going to tell you, when you lean on that more than God, when you depend on that to get you out of your funk, when you depend on sexual relationships to get you out of your funk, when you depend on some food to get you out of your funk, when you depend on something to get you out of your funk, at that point you're saying to God, this is my ally and God is too merciful. So you know what he does? He knocks the power out of the ally. I've seen it with people in every area of their life. You're leaning too much on this. You're leaning too much on that. So I'm going to knock this ally out. Doesn't mean people. Please don't misunderstand me. It could. Basically, I'm talking about things, things that we lean on more than God, things that we start to look to more than God. God says, I am El Shaddai. I'm the only one that's more than enough. Any food you overeat will only take you so far. Any drug you take will only take you so far. Any relationship that's outside of the kingdom will only take you so far. I love to exercise. I love to work out but it cannot be an ally there is only one and his name is Jesus Christ the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords he is the only one you can lean on somebody give him the best praise in this house I'm almost done El Shaddai I am more than enough for you whatever you need if it's depression I'm more than if it's physical healing, I'm more than enough. If it's a lack of sleep, I'm more than enough. If the workplace is just grinding you, I'm more than enough. If you feel like you can't go on in your recovery, I'm more than enough. If you feel like your marriage is not what you want it to be, he says, I am more than enough. If you're dealing with anger, I am more than enough. If you're dealing with sorrow, I am more than enough. If you're in that waiting room, which I think we're all there, he says, I'm more than enough. Let me perfect in you what I want to perfect in you. You want to jump the canyon, but I want to build a man or woman of God to do something mighty. Follow the ones before you and trust me. This is what happens when God tips the domino. And when Abraham turned 99 for five, I mean, for 24 years, there's little of nothing but his men fighting with men over wells and lot. And they do a big mistake and birth a child named Ishmael. They just mess up big time. 
But it's like God had a time on the calendar. I want to tell you something. I know without question, God has a time on your calendar and my calendar for every miracle, every breakthrough, every open door. And if we can trust him more than we doubt him, we will see it accomplished. Somebody give him a praise in this house. This is the cool thing. In one year, from 99 to 100, I love this. Five chapters it takes to tell what all God for Abraham is like. One God went, whoa, bang, domino first, domino second, domino third, domino fourth, domino fifth. And everything starts moving so fast. As one of my mentors said, God waits a long time sometimes to show up suddenly. Someone say suddenly. When God has that moment, he will accomplish it. Lift your hand and give him praise right now in this house or clap. Come on, come on, just go ahead and do it. I'm going to close, but just want you to give him praise. Lord, you are El Shaddai. You are more than enough. You are more than enough for whatever I need, if it's strength, if it's joy, if it's peace. If I feel like it's a lack in my gifting and my ability, which pretty much has been my life, he reminds me I am El Shaddai. I am more than enough. I told him last night, boy, I struggled getting this message together. You'd never know it today, but that's usually the way it goes with me. But I told him even this morning while Leanne was helping as I prayed in the spirit, I lift up my little fish and my little loaf. I ask you to breathe the hey, breath of God upon it because I need you to speak to your people. You see, I'm going to tell you something. They can hear this by the podcast too. I'm not up here every Sunday to be a wonder. I am a pastor to the core. If you travel with me to another church or you go with me to Daystar, you go with me to a conference, you'll see my evangelistic abilities. I'm not here to be that. I'm here to be one of the shepherds and one of the lead pastors that brings the word of God to this church to change your life. Come on, somebody. Being a wonder, shouting, screaming is nothing I plan. Sometimes it comes different way, but I'm telling you, I'm believing God wanted you to receive strength. I love it. Love it. I love it. He is El Shaddai, more than enough. And he reminds me, little girl, I'm more than enough. More than enough. All sufficient. When you come to the end of your sufficiency, he says, you've just begun to tap into mine. Something so cool happened about both Abraham and Sarah. And listen to me real quick, and then we're going to take us to the end and pray over you. I love that the blood rewrites our story. I mean, we end with Sarah... And she's laughing in the face of God. And then she lies to God that she didn't laugh. Come on, lying to your parents is bad. Lying to God, well, I don't even know about that. She, we've all done it, I'm sure. She lies to God. And she, I, didn't, I didn't laugh. He goes, yes, you did. And it is anything too hard for the Lord. And it wasn't a sheepish. The Hebrew means she mocked him. It wasn't like, hey, I'm 90. Hey. No, she mocked him. She mocked him. And here's the cool thing about that. God could have just left it there, but when a scribe was writing the book of Hebrews, it's like the Spirit of the Lord, because every word of the Bible is under divine inspiration. It's like the Holy Spirit tapped that scribe that was writing Hebrews and said, Hebrews 11, rewrite my girl. Rewrite my girl, Sarah. Rewrite how it changed. Come on. And it says in Hebrews 11, 11, Sarah by faith herself received strength to conceive a seed. And she bore a child when she was way past the age because she judged 
him faithful. You see, as long as she judged her situation, as long as Abraham judged his situation, as long as you judge your situation, you're not going to find it. But she finally stopped measuring herself and started looking at El Shaddai, the name God gave Abraham about himself. And she started judging him. I will lift mine eyes to the hills from where cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of the heaven and the earth. He is El Shaddai. He is more than enough and I believe as I close this morning that she saw him high and lifted up she saw him at creation when he separated the light from the dark she saw him as the spirit of the Lord hovered over the waters and began to break them from the land she saw when he spoke into the Bohu in Hebrew the chaos and he said let there be order and life came forth and she judged him faithful. I believe she saw when the flood filled the earth and God spared Noah and his family and he shut them up in the ark and he kept them safe and she said I judge God as faithful. She saw how she and Abraham had lied, manipulated, birthed and Ishmael but she saw that God said my name is Elohim I'm the covenant keeping God I move past your inconsistencies I move past your weaknesses I am El Shaddai and she judged him faithful give the Lord shout of praise I believe she looked up and she saw Job who was a contemporary of Abraham you may not know that and she saw what he went through and she saw what was written about him that the God blessed the latter days of his life more than the former and they went on to have seven sons and three daughters and be so blessed with life. And she judged him faithful. I believe she saw him high and lifted up. And we do at this point. God who delivered Israel. God who rebuilt them. God who crossed the Red Sea. God who rebuilt through the prophets and through Nehemiah. God who walked upon the ruins of Jerusalem and rebuilt them. And I believe we say that the God who did that is the God who's in charge of us. And we judge him faithful give him a shout of praise and then we see King Jesus come in through the book of Matthew Mark and Luke and John we see the baby born in manger Emmanuel God clothed himself in flesh we see Herod try to kill him we see God supernaturally come in and give dreams and visions and he kept moving Mary and Joseph we see this little baby grow up and at the age of 30 just in time the appointed time of God God said in the fullness of time he sent his son and in the fullness of time he raised him up in ministry and everything you're believing for according to his word will be done in in the fullness of time. That means when time is full and when you're ready, someone give Jesus a hand clap of praise. And we see him, King Jesus, heal the leper, raise Lazarus, take the demons out of demoniac, stop the adulterous woman of being stoned. We see him take a tax collector and a broken fisherman and say, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. We see him walk with them and change these men's life. And we say, we judge him faithful. We see the star creator who created the stars by the breath of his mouth. We see his hand stretched out at Calvary 
Calvary. We see the star creator's hands pierced, his feet nailed, his body crushed, his body broken, and we see him high and lifted up, and we judge him as faithful. Stand all over this house and give him the best praise this morning. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on, I'm done preaching. Just praise Him for a moment. Will you judge Him as faithful? We see His church marching forth into the world across the boundaries of the Ukraine, Russia, Iceland, Korea, to the underground church in China, to the church in Argentina, to the church in Bolivia, Romania, Estonia. Puerto Rico, we see the church marching on into the aisles of the Pacific and we judge him as faithful. Hitler has died and is gone. Mussolini has died and gone, but the church of Jesus Christ lives on today all over the world and we judge him as faithful. There we eye closed this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, you have brought this word forth in the way you would deem it. God, I'm standing before Abraham and Sarah's in this room people that are so called God that you are there El Shaddai the more than enough Lord I pray that this morning they would see you as the one who did this miracle because this is their story too Lord according to your word that you will do the impossible in their life that nothing is too hard for you Lord when we're in the prison of waiting the dungeon of waiting or in the waiting room oh Lord when we're just feeling not sufficient I thank you that you are more than sufficient Lord, I pray that every man and woman would be encouraged this morning for what they need from you. Now, if you would just reach over and put your hand on someone and pray over them, um, just pray over their situation. Would you do that right where you stand this morning, just all over this house, all over this house? Just pray for them. Come on, pray for them. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray for this hand that I'm holding or this person I'm touching. Lord, I thank you that they have destiny and purpose. Help them to judge you as faithful when they're tempted to judge themselves. Lord, help them to see you this week as El Shaddai, the all-sufficient God. You are more than enough. Lord, when they're afraid, you're more than enough. When they feel depressed, you are more than enough. When they feel lonely, you are more than enough. When they feel like they're not all that they should be, you are more than enough. When they feel worried, you are more than enough. When they're facing a financial challenge, you are more than enough. Lord, when they're pushed back against the wall, you are more than enough. When they're weary, bone weary, you are more than enough. Lord, I pray for your hey breath to breathe into us this morning new life and new hope that that breath of God would breathe upon our lives our dreams our visions and Lord if anyone in this room is away from you I pray this would be the moment they'd grab back hold of you Lord I pray God that you would breathe your life into us that you would resurrect our dreams if we've buried them our hopes our destinies that you would do what only you can do in this place in these hearts Lord Jesus, we praise you and we give you glory that in the fullness of time, all things will happen. Every prophecy over us, every prophecy over this church, every prophecy over our destiny, we call it done in the name of Jesus. And the church said, amen, amen. Can you give him one more shout of praise this morning?